welcome everyone to Be Better Betters. I'm the host, Spanky. Thanks for listening. This week on Be Better Betters, we do the annual Thanksgiving Be Better Betters question and answer. Been doing this for the last two years. This is the third year. I first started the podcast, I did a bunch of these, and I did a couple of them sporadically, and then I realized, you know what, let's just do this once a year, uh, a lot of people ask the same questions, so, uh, and I also, I'm not gonna, you know, a lot of, a lot of other podcasts like to do this often, I don't know, I feel as if doing this often is, um, for me at least, is a sign of, oh, I don't have enough content, and I'd rather not put anything out than just bullshit and do Q&As all day long. So I figured let me do this once a year, and uh, we'll try to get them all in. This is going to be a long time. This is going to be a long episode. So I'm seeing, I see 77 replies. I shut off the messages just a minute ago while I'm taping it. So uh, this is going to be a while. Sometimes I'll try to elaborate when I can. Uh, If I don't like a question, then I won't answer it. I looked at a few of them briefly, but I kind of like to not look at all of them so I could get a little bit of surprise and see if it makes me think about it. Um, and then we'll move on. Alright, let's get this party started. By the way, happy Thanksgiving to everybody um, out there and um, thank you for supporting the podcast. I know I don't put too many episodes out, but when I do, I know I have a loyal fan base out there that wants to be a better better, that wants to learn, that thinks that they could learn um, from my experience. Um, and I thank you for that. Another disclaimer before we start. Any way I answer these questions, this is my my answer. This is my opinion. Is my way the right way? Yes. Obviously, because I've been successful doing this, so it's definitely right. Is my way the only right way? Absolutely not. There are several ways to skin a cat, several ways to answer these questions, several ways to earn betting sports, and different things. So, just because I have one opinion, that doesn't mean it's the only way. Um, I'll just tell you from my vantage point what I believe is the correct answer or how I would approach. So, just to be clear on that. Okay, let's get started. There he is. First question. Demand GRP wins. George Riley Panagakis writes, Do you think it's easier to pick winners today, 10 years ago or 20 years ago? And I'm not referring to being able to place a bet. I'm talking about picking winning bets. Thanks for the question, George. Love the content that you put out, by the way. Um, and thanks for being on Be Better Betters. I thought that was a little, it was, uh, I was definitely entertained and I enjoyed it. So do I think it's easy to pick winners today? Um, that's a tough question. Um, you know, in this day and age, um, I think the information flow um, flows a lot faster. So I believe that, you know, there was a lot more inefficiencies back in the day. Um, um, but then again, information didn't flow as, as, uh, as much. So I do believe that it was a lot easier to pick winners back in the day, but at the same time, if you got your, you know, hand on a, hand, you know, ear on the street, hand on a pulse, I think you can also pick winners today as well. Um, 
But I, if I had to choose one or the other, I think it was definitely easier 20 years ago, 30 years ago. But again, just like in every era, you have to work hard. You have to make connections. you got to do the work. Um, I hope that answers the question. Next, Sammy P., my man, S.P. Shoot. Where's Chinese Mike from? Ha, ha, ha. Chinese, Sammy knows the answer, Chinese, but he just wanted to ask it anyway. Just to put it on record, Chinese Mike is not from China. He, uh, his family is from Vietnam, but Chinese Mike was born and raised in Flushing, Queens, New York. Thanks for the question, Sammy. Tim Fraley, my man, Tim F75. How many references should you check before obtaining or acquiring new accounts? Uh, great question, Tim. Um, if the reference is right, and if it's a good reference, all I need is one. Um, that's all I need, um, depending on who the reference is. If it's a shaky reference, then I'm going to probably need a few more. But, um, but at this point, we don't really mess around with shaky references. So I would, you know, it all depends on how good the reference is. I would go with one solid one. One, they say a bird in the hand is better than two in a bush. I'd rather have one solid reference than two, you know, semi-solid references, if that makes sense. Tim Fraley, Double Dippin', asks another question. When building a team, what is your advice or practice on setting schedules so that all shifts are covered while ensuring the work-slash-home life balance is maintained? Well, <laughs> I would, uh... You know, when I used to build my team, we would I would base everything based on the sports schedule. And then we would have shifts, and we would know when we need double coverage, triple coverage, quadruple coverage, etc., etc. Obviously, when the games are moving the most is when you need the most coverage. Um, so you have your morning shift. Afternoon is not as important. And then the evening shift. So that's kind of what I would do and kind of look at when, when there's the lines are moving the most and um, count the hours. So we would always count the hours. We'd have a spreadsheet. We'd have a formula where if somebody worked 9 to 3, the other guy worked, you know, 5 to 10. One guy worked 6 hours. The other guy worked 5 hours. And you just count the hours, and you just make sure that the team is all working an even amount of hours or somebody works more than the other, that they're compensated accordingly. But you could just always count the hours, make sure everybody, and if somebody needs a break here and there, um, you just adjust accordingly. But you could always, you know, with Excel, Google Sheets, or whatever, that's how we've always done it over the years. Mark Goldberg, my man, fight on, Spooky. Now that I'm here in Florida the past 15 years, do you think Federici's New Jersey and Freehold has the best pizza along with the best salad dressing anywhere? Wishing you and the family a very happy, healthy Thanksgiving holiday ahead. Thanks for you. Federici's salad dressing is, they have a creamy Italian and house dressing. It is probably one of the best salad dressings I've ever had in my life comes in a nice plain bottle it's like a ketchup bottle but it's not a ketchup bottle like a nice plain glass bottle incredible and the pizzas at Federici's is very very highly ranked I know the Barstool guy rated it an 8 point something um, it's great great pizza um, thin crust if anybody is um, in the freehold area uh, check it out um, and also Federici's I think the uh, one of the brothers kind of kind of uh, the black sheep of the uh, of the family, I guess, uh, open up Frankie Feds, so it's kind of the exact same. It tastes the exact same thing to me, at least. And he built uh, Frankie Feds, 
which is kind of Federici's, I don't know if competitor, but, and I don't know if the, the family still talks or not, I'm just making this up, this is what I hear from the rumors going around, but he opened up his own pizzeria called Frankie Feds, and that's also in Freehold. Thanks for the question, Mark. We get all types of questions on this shit. Next, Fran, at Fran Millionaire 3 if you had a book that would never limit you, no matter what, would you only play prop markets? How else might your strategy change around the markets you play? Yes, absolutely. The prop markets will give you the highest return on investment. You have the biggest edge betting props. And if the book would never limit me, um, no matter what, you definitely want to fire in the props. Um, that's your biggest hold for any sports better. Um, so that's an easy yes. The reason why we don't, of course, is usually they limit you or kick you out if they see a lot of prop work. And that's why we avoid it. All right, T-Bone, there he is, at Vegas, T-Bone. Gobble, gobble, hope you're having a good football season, Spanky. Thanks, T-Bone, I like that. No question on that one. We're moving right along. Vegas Jimmy at Real Vegas Jimmy. My man comes to Bet Bash. Spanky, I heard there were a few guys that questioned the hiring of Atmosphere Girls at Bet Bash. Will they still be allowed to attend? To be clear, I'm talking about the guys. The girls were awesome and prevented the dreaded dude ranch from happening. Great work, Spanky. Um, yes, Atmosphere Models are here to stay at Bet Bash. Um, I don't anticipate ever not having Atmosphere Models there until we get a more diverse crowd of male-to-female ratio. Um, this is Las Vegas, and um, and the Circa is in full support of Atmosphere Models. They have dancing dealers. They have beautiful cocktail waitresses. They have dancing cocktail waitresses or dancing dealers. Um, so it fits right in with the Circa Resort, and, um, and they're actually the ones that semi-suggested it to me because they throw a party with atmosphere models and I learned it kind of from them. So, um, um, absolutely, that's that's here to stay. It's a big hit with a lot of people. And, um, you know, who doesn't like a little eye candy? Or some and, uh, some great conversation as well. It's not just eye candy. A lot of people like talking to models. You know, not all of us can talk to models. Um, you know, just that's just part of it. All right, the sharp surgeon. At the sharp surgeon, that's a tongue twister. At the sharp surgeon, without slapping them, what is the best response to the question? If I give you money, can you bet for me and make me money? Okay, so I get this question now. Some people might say, "Come up to me, Dave." It's happened in the past. If I give you money, can you bet for me and make me money? So you don't want to slap that because they don't understand how it works. The best response I would say when somebody asks me that is, I don't need your money. Um, this is not about, I don't need investors. I know I have enough money. What I need is outs. So your money means nothing to me. I need your outs. I need bookmakers to book our winning bets. If you find those, then we could be in business together. Next question, dgens.com at dgensbet. Why aren't betting exchanges more popular? Uh... You know, I think that um, it's not traditional. Like nobody, you know, nobody likes change. Um, a betting exchange, you have to have multiple seaters, and it has to look like a sports book for it to be popular. Um, 
there is nobody seating. No general jo general guy is hanging up offers constantly on a betting exchange. It just does not happen. The general public is not going to hang an offer up. Won't happen. And if he does, they're impatient. They'll keep it up there for a minute, two minutes, and just say, ah, oh, this is bullshit. If nobody bites, they'll just take it down. So, you know, we're, they're customers. You know, you're trying to ask traditional bettors to be bookmakers. That ain't going to happen. Um, so... It, it's not popular because I think the lack of liquidity and the lack of constant seeding and constant volume. Could that change? Absolutely. Um, and, and who knows? It could change, so hopefully, sooner than later. Next, Drew Morgan at DM Props. How are you able to tell when a line moves on Pinnacle Circa if it's a head fake move? Well... <coughs> I think a great, that's a great question, Drew. One of the biggest things I look for if I see something move is I see that if, if a line moves at, at any any shop, let's just say Pinnacle or Circle, whatever, the first thing I'm looking at is if was the best line in the world just taken down. If the best line in the world was bet, then okay, why why that makes sense. Somebody's moving out in the game, they're going to take the best line out. If it was not the best line in the game, and let's just say they took... Uh, you know, a 19 and a half when there was 20s out there. Um, I would then look at the limits. You know, are you spank gods? You just point at the limit and find out if somebody's faking it. Did it cost them a lot of money to fake it, or was it cheap? Um, so you look at the limit. If they're taking a big limit, then I don't think it's a phony. If they're taking a couple of dimes, it very well could be a phony. Um, is it going to a key number? So from 19 and a half to 19... That's not that big of a move. Who the hell wants a phony game down to 19 in a, in a football game so you could lay to 19? No. You want a phony game down to 17? That's more key. Phony game down to 10, 7, 3? Yeah. These are key numbers. Phony a game down to 19 doesn't make too much sense. Little things like this that you just that I think about if I want to spot a phony or not. Next, Matt at MMM. A few underscores, 7634. I use Betstamp to track CBB and CFB, CLB, CLV. Oh, shit, a lot of acronyms there. I use Betstamp to track CBB and CFB, CLV. From my understanding, it takes the straight-up difference in implied probability of my bet versus at the close, giving a percentage. In that context, could you give an idea of what level of CLV to shoot for? Thank you. <coughs> Okay, I don't know how Betstamp calculates a CSV, so I, I don't know. Um, my, my whole point is that if you're going to try to beat the, you got to beat the closing line by enough to overcome the bookmaker's vig. So the, fir the fast way to do it, the fast way to do it, is essentially you want to take plus juice on a toss-up. Um, how do you do that? If you're laying 110, let's say you're laying 110 on a game, and let's just say a half a point is worth... Uh, call it six cents so if you get it if you beat the close by a full point that means six plus six is 12 cents so instead now it's like instead of laying 110 you're actually getting plus 02 plus 02 is better than even money you beat it enough by you beat the closing you beat the uh closing line by enough to overcome the bookmakers vig let's just say on a, on a college basketball total if you get a point you're around break even point and a half you're, you're swimming in it um, a half a point's not enough because a half a point it's like you're laying 05 and laying 05 in the long run is still going to make you lose. So that's kind of the quick and dirty math that I do in my head. Hope that helps. Next, Nash at last name Nash. 
What is your favorite gambling story to tell somebody? <sighs> what is my favorite gambling story? That's something I got to think about, Nash. And you know what? I I haven't given it much thought because there's so many stories. Um, my favorite gambling story, though, ah, gambling story. I, I, you know, I don't want to keep up the. You know, this is some time to think. There's just so many. Uh, but nothing comes to mind right now. But the story I think that uh, that I think that uh, really ties everything in is um, I think is the time when I decided I was going to go pro. The first, you know, when I met this bum in a train station, I, I gave that story in another podcast several years back. I don't know if that's much of a gambling story. It's kind of an initiation into the business. Um, and there's just so many, you know what I mean? So I've had, had had a lot of meetings over the years. and Just listen to the prior episodes, brother. Like, I can't really pinpoint one. You know, another f- famous one I, I've told in the past is the time in which Billy Walters, is, before I knew Billy Walters at all, when some, one of his guys called me up and told me you can't bet, you know, I was betting at the Mirage, and he found out it was me, and he told me that's Billy's game, you can't bet that game, and I kind of, like, I couldn't believe how much, you know, connections and pull he had. Little things like this, these are the, the stories that, uh, that always stick with me in my mind, um, you know, but, um, there's so many, brother, I, I can't really pinpoint one, I'm sorry if I failed that question. T- just listen to the podcast, man. Every content, every out of every episode is evergreen content, um, and uh, you could listen to it, and it's like you listen to it. It's like I said it today; it all applies. But thanks for the question, Nash. Jan P at Jan P at zero six eight one nine one three seven. I have a question about your background photo on Twitter in the office. Can you describe a typical working day of those people? What are they checking and doing? And they're assigned roles slash synergy as a team. Great. So that's my office. There's five seats, five traders. Depending on the day, um, when the day starts, first thing we're checking is make sure some of the bigger figures are going to be on point. So our figures match wherever we're betting. Um, We'll check some figures with different people if we need to. Um, Then we're looking at overnight injuries, seeing if something happened overnight. Then we're checking to see what live bets are there, any value bets that we see. Then we're going to get some of our handicappers that are going to give us their numbers for the day. And then we're going to plan the attack on how we're going to get down. We're going to compare the handicappers' work. At the same time, we're still picking shit off here and there if we feel like doing that. So they're still playing things. We see things moving. Um, we'll be picking off. So one guy is always just constantly betting, scooping up the pennies here and there. But then the bigger stuff, we're planning. We're planning on how we're going to get down and what the plan of attack is. Um, And to try to get down the most money possible in the most quiet way possible. And that's the name of the game. Um, So a little bit of top-down mixed in with a little bit of, you know, betting games bottom-up. A hybrid scenario for what we're doing. And... um, and that's a typical day. And then, you know, rinse, repeat the next day and the next day. Thanks for the question, Jan. Jacob at Jacob T 1000 Happy early Thanksgiving, Spanky. Thank you. My question is this. 
when you were working at the bank, which you mentioned in one of the earlier podcast episodes, what made you never give up on your dream of being a pro sports better, even if your job already had a stable income? Thanks. Well, that was the story. What made me never give up? Um, thanks for the question, by the way, um, Jacob. Uh, what made me never give up is I, I wanted to work for myself, and I wanted to control my own destiny, and I don't want to say I don't want to make anybody else rich and just make myself rich. No, it wasn't about that. Um, I worked at Deutsche Bank. There was one year I didn't get a raise, and I worked my ass off. I think I was making, I don't know, call it 60-something thousand or whatever. The, the, the company didn't approve raises. Something happened. My boss wrote me a personal check because he wanted to keep me. And he goes, listen, I know you're probably, I don't know if you're going to stay or not, but here's a personal check. He wrote a personal check from him, from his bank account. Um, not from not from the company. That's how much he valued me. And I appreciated that. But he knew, and, and I knew. I said, listen, I appreciate it. Thank you for recognizing my abilities and my work. But I can't work this hard and not be compensated. And plus, I wasn't scared of working hard. Um, I knew I was going to work hard. And I said, Let me, if I'm going to put my time in, in my early 20s and going into my, I want to do it so that I could, you know, I want to, where am I going to put those 100 hours a week? Where am I going to work it? Do I want to build something up for my future? Or do I want to, you know, do something else? And I want to make sure I was secured. And again, when you're working for a big company, it's hard. When you're working for a smaller company, and you see, okay, I'm building a nice income here. I'm still working for the company, but the company treats me with respect, treats me good. I have a nice earn. It's different. That's why when people stay with me, my, my loyal guys stay with me. Why? Because they get taken care of accordingly. I'm not a pig. I don't keep, you know, I, I, I keep a lot of the earn, but I also share the wealth. When you're working for a, a bigger company like that, only the directors and the tops and the partners, they're the ones that get paid. The young, the little minions, they don't. Now, could I have gotten to that level? Sure. But it was never a guarantee. And I just was fascinated by uh, by betting sports, and I was like I said, I, you know, I was working, I was making more money on the weekends than I was at my regular job. So then, you know, taking a plunge was a pretty uh, easy decision to make. Thanks for the question. S dot at Confused Nation S. In your opinion, are some of these larger betting groups with quite a bit of influence releasing plays only in hopes to help influence or shade the number? so they can get a better bet on the other side once the market reacts? I'm talking smaller markets, obviously. <coughs> um, I don't know. I, you know, I don't think so. Um, you know, I, 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 with some people... I, number one, the people that release pleas, most of them are not betting groups. They're just touts that don't bet for shit and pretend like they're betters. So 99.9% of the people you're talking about, we can, they're not even betting. Now, the, the betting groups that I know that release picks, like a Right Angle Sports, for example, uh, these guys are not releasing fake sides. There's no shot in hell. They're real bettors. These guys bet everything they release. And believe me when I tell you, they care more about the releases than anything in the world. Um, you know, Ed cares so much about his record and how much he takes care of his customers that he would rather go... 0 and 20 on the non-release plays and 5 and 0 on the release plays, um, instead of uh, uh, you know the other way around, um, you know losing money, going 5 and 20 overall, um, 
but you know what? The five and zero were the release plays. So these guys are not. They, 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 it's just not worth it to them. They want to give you the best, and 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 that's the thing. So for like a right angle sports, for example, I don't see that happening. I don't know anybody else that that that, that bets that releases plays like that really. Some, but for them, um, I don't, I don't, I don't see that happening. Jay, that's at the edgy better. What strategies do you use to resize your units, and at what point do you downscale? Um, so, you know, a lot of people say, hey, yeah, use the Kelly Criterion to be able to know what your unit size is, but, you know, when you're betting 100 games on the same day, well, there's formulas out there to do it. What I would do is this, is I would, um, and this is viable, but, again, it's hard to estimate your edge to make Kelly actually, you know, an exact, uh, to, to confine what your bankroll is. So, you know, I, my point is that I always look at it like this, and, and this is just from a gambler's perspective, is you want to bet, and I, I this is how I feel. I could lose every single bet I place today and tomorrow and the next day and the next day for the next fucking month, and it would not affect my life. Now, can everybody else say that? No. But that's how it is. I got to that point. I built up my bankroll to be that. Um, and I bet accordingly. So you have to understand and know that, you know, there's a thing called risk of ruin. Uh, shit hits the fan, up against it. Whatever you want to call it, you have to plan for those days. And I've said it time and time again. The best gamblers in the world are the ones that know how to plan for those games, those days, and don't chase, and don't get tilted, and don't can handle those roller coaster swings. Because if you're sweating games and you wind up having one losing day, and it affects your mental health, and it affects how you react to the next day, you're overbetting your bankroll. If you lose for the next week, and it affects your mental, you're overbetting your bankroll. All these things you overbet, you know, you, you can't. This is like a job, but it's a different kind of job where you don't get paid every day. There's days you get paid, there's days you pay. But at the end of it all, if your numbers are right and if you're doing everything the right way, you should earn more than you pay. But you have to understand that that involves a roller coaster. And very few people that, you know, it's not in, innate to the human nature to be able to handle that roller coaster. And that's why I believe that most people overbet their bankroll. And people go busto, tapioca, tap, done, I got no more money, now what? But I got this edge, who gives a shit with your edges, you got no money. You tapped out, you lost it all, you fucking dummy. Why? Because you think your fucking edge is there and you just think that it's okay, it's going to turn around, it's going to turn around, I'm going to be able to definitely, I'm going to win tomorrow, I got to be able to stay in the action. No. You went broke. That's your doing. You have to know how to manage your bankroll accordingly. If you can't manage your bankroll accordingly, that's on you. Nobody else to blame but yourself. Bet accordingly. If you can't, if you can't handle the losses, you shouldn't be in this game. Be better losers is the first step to being better betters. Next question. Big Dog 7-Eleven at Big Dog Hoopa. Excluding the obvious sharp books, Circus slash Penny. I've heard talks about how other sportsbooks are becoming sharper that you wouldn't expect. Rec sports, such as FanDuel. P 
Picking off FanDuel numbers may not be lucrative as they have better info, perhaps, and take positions. Is this true? Eh, you know, not to me. Um, again, with these places, I don't give a shit if it's Pinnacle, Circle, whatever. If you're, getting a, if you're beating a closing line, you're going to win. Um, so, I don't care who it is. Um, that being said, um, FanDuel does make some of their own numbers, and especially on the NBA. I know NBA is big because it's, I guess, originated Patty Power Betfair. Something to do with Australia where, you know, there's a lot of people that bet Australia, uh, NBA in Australia. So I know they have their own NBA division. <coughs> I know they have their own NFL thing going. I think college, they, I don't know if they're making their numbers yet or not. I don't know. This is, I talked to John Sharon, who was running the show there. I don't know what he's doing now. Um, but, uh, you know, when he was, you know, helping run the trading team and stuff. So I don't know exactly what they're doing. But, um, you know, I don't know if FanDuel is, is a line I'm looking at to say, oh, shit, look at FanDuel. You know what I mean? We need to hold off on this. I don't know if I've experienced that. Um, I might be wrong. Again, I'm not I'm involved in a day-to-day as I used to be. Um, but I would definitely, you know, truth be told, and this is something that, you know, look out for other shops. Um, might not be the FanDuel, but it could be anybody. Um, have an odd screen up, whether it be my screen, spank cards, or any other one. Check out who's moving first, who's getting hit, and who's, you know, you know, chart. Just start charting things and look. And look at line history and see who is be, who is getting the first move, and then does that first move wind up getting closing line value. That's how you know which uh, lines to follow. And who's always have the best line? Like, you know, when you look, there's a best column where you could have a highlighter box on spank cards. You could see why is, you know, whenever somebody like Circa or Pinnacle or anybody, is, they have the best line in the world, that's when you got to ask yourself, why do they want, you know, they want you, to, they want you to bet that side. Why? Okay. Most likely they're trying to, let's just say they're, they have a four, the world's painted four and a half. They want you to lay that four. Why? Because they believe the lines are going to close three and a half, or even four. Line closes four, and they'll make you lay four, they got the best of it. You lay four, line closes three and a half, they have super the best of it. So they want you to do that, and then that could be uh, an anticipation of what's happening. You try to, you know, uh, uh, predict what's to come. I hope that answered the question. All right. Spoonball95 at Spoonball95. Question about record-keeping. Do you record your expected EV as well as your actual results? Absolutely. If so, can you describe the formula used to calculate EV based on the line you got versus the closing? It's a complicated thing to explain unless I had a pen and paper and explain it to you and draw it out. Um, is there one primary book you use as a source for closing lines? Um, yeah, not, you know, you kind of want to use a consensus, but the crisp closing line, depending on the sport also, um, the crisp closing line is probably the way to go. Um, but yes, you definitely want to, and, and, and believe it or not, we just did this, you know, we just looked at the, I think it was versus the, the last year, and we are right on point. We, um, our chart is right exactly where it needs to be. Our expected or actual, believe it or not, are neck and neck, which is beautiful to see, you know, that the math is working out accordingly. So, um, yes, definitely do that. And also... Um, stuff that you don't beat the close, if you still believe you could beat it, chart that as well, um, and see what you're getting there, um, and see if, oh my God, if you're winning with enough volume and you're not being the close, you might be onto something, but you have, a, have to have a lot of data points to prove that. Okay, um, 
Jason at JasonAY19. When you first went into it full time, how did you handle the downswings from an emotional standpoint? Um, I knew I couldn't handle the downswings, downswings, Jason. That's why I middled and scalped for years. I middled and scalped for years. I didn't want to take a position. Why? Because I didn't have much money. I started with 16000 Me and my partner put up $8,000 each. You think I can handle betting nickels, dimes? No way. I just couldn't handle it. So what did I do? I just scalped and I middled games. When you middle a game, you bet a dime on each side. What do you lose? A hundred bucks. But if the middle hits, you win two dimes. If you hit an end, you get, you get a dime. That's how I did it over and over again. Soon enough, 16000 became 160000 became 1.6, became whatever. So it just kept going and going and going until I'm like, okay, now I'm ready. I have a bankroll. And I still scalp a middle if I, if I see the opportunity. But now I'm able to take risk because I can handle the risk. The risk won't affect me. Very, you know, it's just a big difference. You gotta, again, and I stress this so often, and I just, we just alluded to it in another question. This ain't a game about getting the most bang for your buck and getting the most expected value. This is a game of staying, if of lasting long enough to be able to ensure you can bet tomorrow. The most important thing is no matter what happens, you're able to fire again tomorrow. That's the name of the game. Sure, you want to maximize EV. Okay, I understand that. You want to get the best of it. Yes, but don't do that at a cost or at a risk of going broke. Because once you go broke, then there's no EV to be had. Because in order to gamble, you have to have money. If you don't have money, in order to fire, you have to have bullets. If you don't have bullets, then your gun is worthless most important thing of gambling is not going broke. Okay. Um, next, Sportsbook Confidential. Oh, yeah, this guy. That's Sports Confident. Sportsbook Confidential. Um, bet Bash for Early Bird, Late Bird, and Shit Bird pricing. I don't know what Shit Bird means. Sportsbook Confidential. Anytime somebody... Um, you see somebody insulting somebody, or you see somebody uh, calling somebody out, or whatever, and you look at the retweets, and I say, okay, who retweeted this shit? Uh, and then in my mind, I'm like, it's got to be this guy, Sportsbook Confidential. This guy, when somebody's down and out, if there's one person that'll say, and just go walk and just kick that fucking dirt right in the guy's face, there's nobody that does it better than Sportsbook Confidential, brother. He's on top of that shit like fucking flies on shit. All right, to answer the question, Sportsbook Confidential, and you need somebody like that. In the whole in the whole Twitterverse, there's people that are needed like that to call people out. And he's called me out all the time, and he's shit on me, and that's fine. But, the, you know, the guy just, he's a professional uh, shitter, uh, shitter on, I should call whatever he wants to, uh, uh, professional shit, uh, shit, uh, shitter, not shitter, uh, shit on person, uh, whatever it is, I'm confused. Bet Bash for early bird late board show. Okay, so we're gonna release the Bet Bash the, the Bet Bash pricing soon, but not too soon. I'm talking it over with. I have consultants now. This thing has gotten big, so I have to hire consultants. I have consultants working with me. We are planning the plan attack. Finalized everything with Circa. We are gonna lock up the entire third floor of the Circa ballroom for the entire duration of the conference. 
this is going to be like a real conference. We're going to have booths. We're going to have this and that. We're going to have seminars. We're going to have this and everything. <coughs> we're also going to be making a Hall of Fame a separate event this time. It's going to be an optional add-on. Or if you just want to go to the Hall of Fame, you can. I know a lot of people, you know, we, we, and we're going to reduce the pricing from last year because we're making a Hall of Fame a separate add-on. Um, a lot of people didn't want to go to the Hall of Fame or a lot of people didn't want to dress up. So... I get it. I listened. Um, there were gamblers here. A lot of not a lot of gamblers want to go to that. Some people do. Some people don't. So we made that optional, um, and um, and uh, it's going to be fun. Um, people say, "How could you top last year's bet bash or this year's bet bash? Bet bash three? Impossible. There is no way I could top that. Impossible. Um, but I'm going to try, like we always try. People say you couldn't top bet bash two, and I knew I could. So I'm like, you ain't seen nothing yet, because I had the sports game in the Hall of Fame in my mind. This year now, listen, all the all the cats out of the bag. We know what we're doing. Uh, we have, you know, we're still gonna try to get better and better and better. But I can't top it. It's some, you know, uh, you know. But we'll try. I don't want to say I can't. It's gonna be hard to. Okay, George F. At, but thanks, Sportsbook Confidential. Keep doing what you do. George F. At George F. Zero six one five seven zero nine four. How the fuck does these? These uh, uh, usernames get created. Like, what what happens? Does Twitter just recommend? Hey, I think you should be George F zero six one five. You're like, oh yeah, that sounds good. Like, who, who agrees to this shit? Um, all right, who who? How do you measure shop prop numbers against? <coughs> I don't do the props. My buddy Chris Bruno does our props. Um, he's the one who runs the props for our office. We don't really bet too many props. How do you measure shot prop numbers against? I don't know, man. I don't mess with the props. Um, again, you know what I mean? We're betting hundreds of thousands on these games. Uh, I don't need this three dime, five dime shit in the props. Don't get me wrong, I know there's a bigger into it and a lot of people that's their living. I'm not trying to shit on their living, but I just can't, you know, we, we've grown way past that, so. But, um, that's all I could say. Oh, George F. Double dipping. Favorite wrestler of all time. Haha, <laughs> I like that. My favorite wrestler of all time growing up has always been Hulk Hogan. I was always a Hulkamaniac as a kid growing up in the early 80s um, and, and, and being around in that era. Um, but I also, you know, I grew up in the Northeast in Jersey, so, you know, WWF was, was our main, uh, was the, the main, you know, the, the territory that I've always followed. So my favorite wrestler of all time was that, you know, was probably, you know, the champions of that era. I always loved Tito Santana. I like what he stood for. Um, Randy Savage, and, you know, I also like Bob Backlund, Bruno San Martino, um, you know, I, I liked what Bruno stood for, and, you know, and, and, uh, and Bob Backlund, I read his book, which is an incredible read, if anybody's interested in wrestling biographies, one of my favorite books in wrestling that I've ever read, Bob Backlund's book, so, those are just a few, um, Dan, at Daniels, underscore all one, hey Spank, great job with Spank Cots, thank you. When will you be inducted into the Sports Gambling Hall of Fame? Ah, I'm not going to. Right now, you know, I, um, I'm i 45. I've been doing this for 20-something years. But I don't have a Hall of Fame career, in my opinion. All the, what do I, okay, I win betting sports. That's great. But I don't know how much of an impact, you know, I've made. Maybe if Bet Bash continues to last for several years or... Uh, you know, that might be something or, or, or whatever, you know, I think that's, if there's going to be a legacy that I could probably leave that could be Hall of Fame worthy, it'll probably be starting this conference for betters, 
Um, but if it was just based on my betting career, uh, you know, listen, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm a winning sports better, yes. Um, but um, there's a lot of winning sports betters. What did I do different? Um, and I think that the, um, the creating bet bash is something that I think is, is, it was needed. And again, it was for selfish reasons for me to get out and meet people, but hope, uh, but it's, it, it's kind of grew way beyond what I'd ever expected it to. And, you know, if there's something that a legacy that I could leave, that I could leave a mark in the industry that I think could one day could be hall of fame worthy, that might be it, but I'm not holding my breath. And, um, and, uh, if it would happen, it wouldn't be for probably several decades, but thank you. Gavin at Rematch 727. Which U.S. sports, in your experience, have the most and fewest originators? Have you seen sides and totals markets get more or less efficient over time, say in college basketball? Suggested bankroll management strategy for an aspiring better. How does this differ for pros? Okay, a lot of questions here, Gavin. You know what I mean? Uh, let's do one at a time. Which U.S. sports, in your experience, have the most and fewest originators? I don't think too many people are betting college basketball. Luke just told me this today. Um, not many people are betting college basketball as of now. Um, you know, so I don't know. I, I think college basketball is of the major sports. There's not as many as there used to be. Um, have you seen sides and totals? Oh, the most originators. Most originators? God, I, I, I don't know. Again, I'm not involved in the day-to-day. One day we got to get Luke on a podcast. He'll answer all these fucking questions because he, he's in—he's uh, he, involved in this. These are questions I could answer three, four years ago when I was act, or even more than that now, when I was actively betting. I'm just not actively betting anymore. I just look at the bottom line. If we're making money, that's it. You know what I mean? Uh, my man Luke runs the whole business, and uh, and he knows how to make money, and that's it. You know what I mean? So I taught Luke what he knows, and he just takes things to the next level. So these are questions he'll answer. Um, and um, that he could answer better than me. Sorry, bro. Have you seen sides and totals markets get more or less efficient over time? Again, it's hard for me, but, you know, um, I don't think that um, more or less efficient over time. I think that all, all these markets get more efficient, but at the same time, um, they're more efficient, and at the same time, they're a lot easier to manipulate because when everybody copies everybody, then you just hold the puppet strings. You see what I'm saying? So it's easier to beat back then but harder to fake. In this day and age, you know, these people, you know, these sports books have this technology where they're on autopilot. If bookie X, Y, and Z moves this amount, then I'm going to move that amount. And it's an autopilot. When you get on autopilot, you know, there's a reason why when we fly in commercial airplanes that there's a pilot sitting in the seat at all, all at all times. You can't, you know, these, these, these airplanes can all fly themselves. But they'll never have that happen. Why? Because shit, hap- shit could happen and you need somebody sitting in the seat. Um, and these sports books, unfortunately, they, the person that's sitting in the seat has no fucking idea what they're doing because it's just on autopilot most of the time and they just don't know what to do. There's no skill, there's no talent to actually manually make adjustments. And when you're connected to a feed of certain sports books or what they call quote-unquote market-making sports books, um, you're going to get fucked. And, 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 and that's why, um, you know, it's so easy to beat, in my opinion, in today's world. Uh, so just a bankroll management strategy for an aspiring better. You know, I, I already touched a lot on bankroll already. Just don't go broke. How does this differ for pros? I've seen many pros go broke also. Don't go broke. All right. 
Mala, Mala Porpoise at Mala Porpoise. Did you used to post to the sports betting forum on a 2 plus 2 poker message board back in the day? There was a guy back then who operated similar to how you do, and I've always wondered if that was you. I did not post on 2 plus 2. I was a mem- I, I used to read it a lot. I was more of a ghost guy. I read all the forums, but I didn't really post. <coughs> I did post a little bit. I forgot what my username was. Um, but I definitely did post. It's just that I, I definitely I don't remember posting on 2 plus 2. But I read all those 2 plus 2 books. The Skolansky and Malmuth and all those poker books. Edric at Clan W5. At Clan? No, at CNW5. What's the biggest continuous edge you wasted and how did you blow it? Extra points for how and when you realize what you missed. Oh, what's the biggest? You know, there's a lot of these things that come our way that um, you just don't know. Um, you know, uh, it's hard to kind of, you know, some of these edges still exist, so I can't really mention some of them. I'm trying to think of something that's dead and gone that we didn't realize ahead of time. And, um, I don't know if I could even mention those, because they might come back. That's a tough question. And, um, I'm going to take a pass. Taxman at Taxman CPA MST. How many years of documented wins over 52.83% before someone's considered a long-term sports betting winner? If you're winning at 52.83%, you're definitely a winner, but man, you're barely a winner, brother. Uh, laying 110. Um, so, I don't know. You know, it's, it's it's not about the length of time, it's about the number of plays. Um, so I want to look at it as as, he, as, as duration, uh, time duration, I'll look at the number of plays. If I see somebody hitting at a, a positive rate over a few thousand plays, then I'll, I'll definitely take a look and um, see if uh, we can, you know, work together. Tax man. Next, that jinx and that that la that jinx Eugene. That jinx Eugene. Thanks, Spanky. All right, thank you. Conkle at Andrew Conkle. Are there groups capable of manipulating the closing line on major markets? If so, how prevalent do you think it is? Absolutely. Manipulation is probably as active today as it's ever been in the history of sports betting. Honestly. Why? Because there's very few independent bookmakers out there. There are very few people out there moving their numbers. or, or, or You don't have to make your own numbers. Making a number is one thing, sure. Not that many people doing that either, but just moving their numbers based on the action. Very few people are doing that. Most people are moving their numbers based on other bookmakers' numbers. And that's a fact. And if that's happening... Um, manipulation will exist. Okay, Tim73 at Tim7319. Do you feel at some point the top-down method will no longer be a viable option for volume due to severe market manipulation? Absolutely not. The best top-down bettors will recognize the manipulation and will act accordingly. So top-down, the top-down method is the tried-and-true method that will always exist. It will always win. 
you beat that closing line, you find out what's wrong, and get ahead of the line move, you will always win. Always. Now, sure, oh yeah, but what if this guy fakes this line? In the long run, not, you know, there's, as, as prevalent as manipulation is, it's going to happen on a select few games here and there. If you consistently are laying five on a game that's closing seven, sure, some of those games might have been manipulated, but trust me, you're going to still make that money getting the best of it um, after thousands of plays. Um, so the top-down method will always be the best. Because, remember, if somebody's going to manipulate something, there's always another group out there that's not going to uh, accept the manipulation. Let's just say a guy wants to, he loves a dog. He lays the five. He lays the six because he wants to take the seven. He takes the seven. Line goes to six and a half. Right? But then there's another group that say, you know what? I also like the six and a half. I'm going to take the six and a half. And a line eventually winds up going back to five. You lay five. You close this five. You know, what happens? You don't got the best of it. So it, everything, the, the, the people keep keep games in check. That was a time in which two groups agreed. Another group, let's just say, if somebody lays five, they like the favorite, no manipulation whatsoever. Another group likes the dog. They take seven, goes up to seven. Line closes six. If you had minus five, good job. You got plus seven, even better job for a line that closes six. But you got to make sure that you're on the right side having the right number. There's no such thing as the right side. You want to have the right number. Um, and um, and somebody trying to manipulate or whatever will usually get bonked down. Anybody that's trying to fake a market, people know that, okay, there's no way that's the right side. And they, they say bonk. They'll just hit them over the head. Smarter people would not do that. Let's just say in the overnight markets. If you see how crazy the overnight lines move, you know, guys are trying to keep numbers in where they are, and then the dime or two dime betters are like, no, we don't, we don't want to. Anytime the line hits, you know, X, we're just gonna bang it out, and they're just, they just keep doing that, and then it kind of teaches the manipulator to say, shit, I'm getting so much opposition here now, it's costing me a lot more than I wanted it to cost me to, to move the line, so I need to stop, um, um, and then I, I, I need to figure out a different, different way. Or, or maybe wait until uh, and pay a heavier price um, when this guy, you know, has, has had his fill. Because, you know, if once, you, you know, everybody needs to have their fill and then lines stop moving. But some people, their fill can never be had. So you have to just know. And again, there's just so many intricacies and know who the players are in the game, who's the one who's betting this, you know what I mean? Like. <laughs> That's that that's the key thing. Like, you know, like if I if I see a game moving overnight and I know that this is hurting, okay, what do I what, what do I do? Now, what is most most people just say, Oh fuck it, then I just uh, it's spending overnight, there's nothing I can do. I try to knock it back down. Somebody let's just say we like the favorite. Lines of five, somebody lays it. Goes to six. We're like, fuck it, let's put, we want to make keep it five so that people will copy the five on the opener. We'll take the six. Goes back down to five. The guy that likes the five lays it again. So we're like, shit, you know what I mean? We like the favorite here, and we have dog position. Not good. So you, there's a time when you just have to stop and say, shit, this sucks. Well, how do, maybe I just got to let it stay at six. Maybe wait till this guy falls asleep, 
and then take the six down. Bookmaker will still get down to five, but he's not around. So you got to find out when these guys are up. You know, chart times. That's another big thing. You chart the time that the bookmaker or that the other bettors are betting. And then you just know when the best time is. A lot of people would, would move out on games at 11 p.m. Eastern um, uh, because they knew nobody was around. A lot of people did it to us. They knew that my crew wasn't around. So they would move their games at a fucked up time knowing that I couldn't react. Um, so knowing the times on uh, on when uh, a book would move or when other players are active is another thing that's chartable um, to know how to maximize um, either the line movement or um, or to take the most advantage of manipulation. Long-winded answer, brother. I'm just speaking out of my head on on that, so hope I helped. <coughs> Frack. Man, this thing is going to be running long, bro. We're already over 50 minutes in, and I don't even know if I'm a quarter of the way done with these things. Happy Thanksgiving. Frack at Frack1. As an old pearl coder, how do you apply your skills these days? I find I'm mostly using GPT to write Python, just so I can interact with the modern world. Not sure that keeps my mind sharp in the same way. My guys in my office use ChatGPT, and you know, they all the time. Um, especially my coders, they use it. I still, you know, I just like to just code and myself, and you know, I still use Google and you know, Stack Overflow and all the old school shit if I need to look for something. But um, you know, I'm. Uh, you know, you, you, you just, you, you know, I guess, as, again, we're going to get into a little bit of a deep computer science talk. You know, studying computer science for me was, was, you know, getting any degree, but particularly computer science for me at least was, was knowing how to attack a problem and think about it algorithmically and think about it and, and, and try to solve problems in the most elegant way possible. And that's what they teach you, kind of, you know, not just for efficiency and not to try to make sure that algorithms run in a, the cheapest amount of time and, you know, to try to solve it, but in an elegant way. And, and that's something that, you know, just takes years and years of experience to learn how to build elegant programs. And then once you're able to do that, it kind of goes into your life and how, you know, because life, everything is just, you know, you just think of ways to be able to, you know, to, to get the most you know, out of your time spent to try to get the most value out of time. Um, so, you know, it starts with computer science and coding, and then it gets to, like, it kind of bleeds into your life on how to think about how to maximize the most amount from your time. And I think that's something that's a skill that that's why I urge everybody, my son studying computer science, um, I urge anybody out there, you know, you become a computer scientist, at least for me, I'm speaking on my own personal thing, it's the best decision I ever made in my life. Okay. Lane Train Lambert, at Train Lambert. I know you had a whole podcast on the bad parts of becoming a professional sports better, but do you have any recommendations for people trying to break into it? Yes. Don't. That's my number one recommendation. You're breaking in now. You're up against it. It's so hard. So hard. Um, but if you really, really have to, like Spanky, I'm determined, I want to do this, I would listen. Learn. I would, and again, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to sell my own conference, but fuck it. If I was, I'm saying this out of my heart, I would go to Bat Bash. I would meet people. I would interact with winners before I tried to become a winner myself. 
Learn from winners. Learn what the winners do. You go to Bet Bash, there's a winner everywhere. There's so many people that win. There's so many people that do this professionally. Learn from them. See what they're doing. Give them an account. You'll earn. You might get kicked out. You'll earn. See what they're betting. Chart their closing line value. Chart what are they betting on. Where are the edges. And then once you see a winner operate, then maybe you could figure out either by reverse engineering or just by copying, you know. But again, just like Yogi Berra said, don't imitate them if you can't copy them. Um, so, you know, you, you got to make sure that you can replicate what's replicatable and leave the experts, to the betting to the, the true experts. But the first step is to just be around winners. Don't think, you know, because they've done a lot of the groundwork for you. That's that's the best advice I could give on that. All right. Here we go. How about Julio, Julio, not Julio, Julio and Rocio at JN reports. Happy Thanksgiving, Spanky. Thanks, Julio. For those who bet on tennis, soccer, and other non-popular sports, is it best to bet these sports offshore or the domestic legal operator? <sighs> we don't really bet these sports, so it's hard for me to answer, but I will say this. Um, we used to bet NASCAR with a guy locally in New York. And if you know around this area, there is nobody that likes fucking NASCAR. That's more of a Midwest and more of a, you know, it's just not a Northeast sport that people like. At least not where I'm from. So when you bet NASCAR, there's only two types of people that bet that. It's usually the biggest degenerate or the biggest sharp. So you got to be careful. You kind of want to bet in the market where you think is, is viable or where you think that you could last. Um, uh, betting soccer is different. Like, you know, again, if I'm betting soccer, um, and if you're, if i if, if the bookmaker knows I'm a white guy and I'm betting Argentinian soccer, um, different than if I was Argentinian betting Argentinian soccer. If you're, if you're Argentinian and you bet Argentina or anything around, you know, Central or South America, I should say, then, you know, that makes sense. Like, you know what I mean? I, if you want to look, I'm, I'm talking about camouflage. I'm assuming you have an edge on some of this shit. Um, tennis, I think, is worldwide. I think you get away with a lot of tennis. I don't think anybody's going to really frown too much on tennis. Soccer, though, of course, and again, it's, it's sure, it's the worldwide sport, but in America, soccer will always take a back door to, to, to all the other sports. So, you know, and, and bookmakers are savvy with shit like this. At least this is how I believe. You know, I mean, if, I, if I'm a bookmaker and I see, you know, somebody betting me this crazy shit, I either think that he's a complete degenerate or he's got the best of it. Run a closing line value report, I'll know right away. That's it. Taxman coming back at Taxman CPMST. When do you anticipate having the Bet Bash 4 ticks available for sale? Probably after Christmas. That's my guess. I know it's a little, but I already released the dates. Those dates are firm. August 6th through the 9th. So if you need to make travel arrangements, make sure you lock up those dates. Um, but we'll probably do it a little bit after, probably after Christmas, maybe right after the New Year, right before the New Year, something like that. Um, we released them a little early last year, but I want to make sure that we get the pricing right, we lock up everything, I got a, you know, couple of different things going on, so it's going to be probably around then. Thanks, Taxman. Gamberly at Amber Gambling. What is your advice to bettors who are volume betting on any perceived edges in small markets? 
how do they protect themselves from ROR, risk of ruin, if they cannot rely always on market efficiency? For those that do not have math knowledge to go deep there, but want to run a quick litmus test. Okay, so let's just take this. What is your advice on betters who are volume betting on any percentage in small markets? My how, how they protect themselves from risk of ruin if they cannot rely always on market efficiency. So, small markets, most likely the, the, the market is not going to be efficient. It's hard because closing line value won't, as, won't apply as much um, to some of these smaller markets. So, essentially, you're asking, how do you know um, if your perceived edges are actually edges? Um, and how do you protect yourself from, from going broke? Um, I, you know, I think the easiest answer to that is just don't overbet your bankroll. Bet small or chart it chart what you think there's nothing wrong with charting and betting zero you don't always have to place a bet and um and be in the action or bet something small you know or back test if you have the data that's always the best way to do it um if you have the proper data back test it um and um and see if they you know if you could replicate the exact scenarios with the exact same data see if you would have bet on that and don't worry about you know again these are smaller markets so <coughs> where there's no market efficiency see if that applied but um again slowly just you know walk before you run type thing i don't think it's um i i think the most important thing is that risk of ruin and i mentioned it earlier is you don't want to get ruined you don't want to go broke good luck at frank rambo 24 which is at jason williams i7 Bose, B-O-Z, Bose. I'm using a Zilbert primer fades, but my bookie Tony Rambo wants to break my legs because it's winning high rate. What should I do? Okay, I'm using a Zilbert primer fades, but my bookie Tony Rambo wants to break my legs. I don't even know what a Zilbert primer fades is, brother. But if a bookie wants to break your legs because you're winning at a high rate, um, that's not a that's not a bookmaker I would deal with. Um, I would call the bookie up and say what's wrong here, uh, and I would tell him, listen, you're trying to break my legs um, because I'm winning. If I lost, I would have paid you. Um, you know, if I win, I just expect to get paid. If you're threatening violence against me, um, that's not the way I do business, and um, I didn't expect you to do that too. Um, uh, we could just part ways. I'll collect my figure and be done with it. Uh, a lot of these bookmakers, too, that threaten these types of things, a lot of them are more are all sizzle, no steak. Um, you know, I, you know, I've been threatened myself. Once you show up there, uh, the threats go away. So I wouldn't be nervous um, to show up and, and you know, uh, keep your legs, uh, you know, unbreakable. We're we're a cast. I don't know, bro. You know what I mean? I, I, you know, this is some I think this is surreal shit. All right, Jan Piet coming back at Jan Piet oh six eight one nine one three seven on circles off HQ Hammer Hammer Network. DeRosa Antonio said odds fifteen twenty minutes before close are often the most efficient because traders at times intentionally over adjust odds to help correct bad positions. What's your take on this? Interesting, and yes, like you know, you know, Grande. Historically, we always knew that Grande, if they they needed a side, 
and let's just say line is painted seven and a half. They have an eight. Um, and they're just sitting there waiting for an eight. But we knew that five minutes to post, Grande would go to eight minus 15, which is plus eight minus 05. And we knew if we wanted to take the dog, we just had to wait. And just like clockwork all the time, if you knew it would happen, they would then show their hand a little bit more and say, I, want, I, I need a bet on the dog here. Nobody bit, even though I have the best line in the world, they'll definitely bite then. And again, they're not going to go to 10 or anything like that, but yes. Um, <laughs> but if somebody's watching, the line would still close 8. Sometimes not everybody's watching. Sometimes they won't write the bet. So what Antonino said, and Antonino knows what he's talking about because he's worked at the, some of the biggest sports books uh, um, in the world. And he's worked at Pinnacle. So whatever he says, I would 100% agree with. I'm, he'll know a lot better than I would on that side of the counter. Um, but it makes sense. A lot of bookmakers do need to get uh, off their position, and um, and sometimes they just wait to kind of show their hand a few minutes to post. Okay, Cork Cutter at Cork Cutter. What is a good resource for determining half-point values on first, second markets? My observations, I've noticed that half-points or first-half key football numbers are very valuable, but generally I see a point in a half-time um, worth 50% more than full-time. <coughs> yeah, so, obviously, you know, there's different things and different sports and stuff like that, but yes, um, you know, and it all depends, you know, when you're looking at a point, let's just get the halftime one out of the way. Everything depends on what the score is at the half. You know what I mean? If, if the game is tied and you have a pick em, that half point's worth nothing, right? Uh, so, yeah, it's just, it's, 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 whereas... A pick if the game is not tied, is worth a lot, you know, so whatever the score differential is. Um, so you kind of have to know exactly um, what, the, what the, the current score is at the half. For first halves, um, there's a lot of big numbers, especially for football. Um, you know, you, you, would ha- you would just look and you would know, you know, the, the key totals. And you do 7-3 combinations. Like, you know, 20 is always a big number. 24. 20 is the biggest number. In the NFL first halves, historically, 24, another huge number. Because 20, no matter what, 20, you get to 20 with two touchdowns, two field goals. Which is, no matter what the first two scores were, you always have a shot at getting that that 20. That 20 is very important. Whereas 21, once a field goal, you know, it's hard to get to the 21. So it's not as big. So you just got to think about field goal, touchdown combinations. And you know that 20 is worth more because it's two scores away at all times versus three scores away as a 21. 24, same thing. Um, But 24, though, is five scores away. Or it could be four scores away. Um, It could be three touchdowns, a field goal. It could be uh, two touchdowns and um, three touchdowns, a field goal. And it it could be, again, with 24, not too many people go for two in the first half, so it's not as big. But it all depends on what the total is. And, you know, you're not going to – 24 is a big number. Um, 20 is a big number. 17, which you don't see too often, is a big number. So you kind of got to, you know, 28, it's also a number. But again, 28 gets ruined easily um, when you don't include the combinations of 7 and 3s in there. Um, So I would look at stuff like that. Um, You know, and and, and if you just backtest, not even backtest, if you just look at historical data, uh, you'll know exactly... um, 
the hit rate on some of these games. A lot of times, you know, it's good to have first half historical data, like closing lines, but even just, just, just by doing generic, finding out how many, you know, how many games fall 27 or 28 or 20, 24, 23, 20, you'll know. You know what I mean? And then you'll realize, okay, this is kind of more or less what a half a point is worth. I'm just talking totals. Sides, of course, are another big story. Um, but, again, you know, like the four is very huge in the first half side. Um, just because seven minus three is four. Just, you know, obvious. All right. Um, good resource. I don't know what a good resource is. I, get my, I got my data. you got to just get the data. Um, parse the data. So I don't even know. I don't even know if I answered the question. Let me. I'm going back to the question from Cork. Just you got to buy data from different places. There's so many places that sell it now. I used to go to the logicalapproach.com where we. Um, I initially bought my data. I'm not sure where we buy it recently. Um, my my uh, my guys. Some of my guys do that now. So I'm not even involved as much. Big D Sports better at Richard five three. Four, three, six. Have you noticed more and more people hitting the overnight lines as soon as they come out? Is 8 a.m. on day of basketball games still valid starting time? Yeah, there's definitely people that are hitting the overnights, Big D. And is 8 a.m.? You know, it's funny. 8 a.m. used to be way too early, but now it's the right time. Um, you know, there's a lot of movement going on at 8 a.m., eight, between 8 and 9. So it's it's never, it's it, look, it's never, there's no such thing as it's too early at this point in the game. There's definitely such a thing as too late. Early bird catches the worm. But the second mouse gets the cheese. Alright. Cork cutter coming back. Pinnacle prices their alts much differently than SBR, unabated, and other public resources do. Is the difference a result of their trading philosophy, i.e. trying to shade one side or entice more action on a side, or do they just have different half-point values? <coughs> I don't know what they're, you know, so, if I was a betting man, now, I, here, I think Pinnacle, everybody's prone to make mistakes, okay, but if there's some, if there's a sports book that's, that would make the least mistakes, and if I had to bet, if Pinnacle had better half point values than a, another non-bookmaker, um, I would usually bet on Pinnacle. Because they put their money where their mouth is. So, if somebody's saying, I think the half point's worth this, but Pinnacle says it's this, guess what? Pinnacle has refined all their models and everything and booked billions of dollars worth of bets on said number to come up with whatever number they come up with. Versus somebody in a back room creating a quick model or creating something and not testing it to the world. So, in general, I would always go with what Pinnacle... Now, I'm not saying that Pinnacle doesn't make mistakes... But, yes, if I had to, in, as a general answer, I would always go with the bookmaker's uh, value on a half point than anyone else's. Parlay party at Teaser Parlay. Which is better, college basketball, number one, team A plus eight minus ten, team B minus four minus ten, or number two, shit, team A plus seven minus oh five, team B minus six and a half plus oh two. What? What's the better middle? I'd rather take a four-point middle at minus 110 average juice than take a half-a-point middle at a, you know, a cent-and-a-half average juice. So I'd go with number one. Craig Hughes at CR at 
Krieger's, Craig Krieger's 724. What's the biggest mistake new players make when sports betting becomes legal in their state? <laughs> What's the biggest mistake they make? That's a guess, because I don't, I don't, I wouldn't know. The biggest mistake they make, in my opinion, is uh, only having one out. Um, the biggest mistake most whales make is not negotiating a deposit bonus or getting a host before you make a deposit. I think that's a slept-on skill. I think that if you're going to deposit a good amount of change, 20 dimes, 50 dimes, 100 dimes, million dollars, whatever it is, you should toss somebody before you make that deposit. Competition's still hot and fierce, and they think you're the next big whale, so let them fight for your business. And then go to another guy and say, this guy offered me this, can you do better? And then essentially you just play them against each other and you deposit into both places, get both bonuses, play both, play opposite sides in both places, cry to the one that you lost in, um, you know, be happy with the one that you won in, and, um, and repeat, rinse and repeat. That's, believe it or not, that's a strategy that still works to this day that I know millionaires do. So, um, that's that. All right. Mm, Scooter at SACMD5690976. You, sta- you stated that when you started, you were only betting on nights and weekends before turning pro. Do you still think this is a viable model for people starting out? I have a small bankroll, but being this is a passion project, I want to see how just how far I could push it. There's a part two. Oh, shit. Okay, in CFB, I found good success on nights and weekends. But to start of CBB, I always seem to be on the side of the buyback and not the actual move. It's very frustrating. Any suggestions? Keep killing it with the podcast. Thanks, Scooter. <coughs> well, if CBB, you're on the wrong side, that means, you know, there's manipulation going on there, and it's the people that are betting the overnights probably are not betting the right sides. So don't do it anymore. College football, if it's working out, then keep doing what you're doing. Just stick to what works and stop doing what doesn't. And good luck. Can you still do this overnight? You know, yeah, you can. Um, but, again, it's it, the way I look at it is if I'm going to try to do something, you know, I, I did it overnight nights and weekends in a different era where lines would be two, three points off for hours. This is not the same era. Just a different time. So I don't know if that's going to still be profitable today, Scooter. Brian Edwards at Real I Am Papa John. Did the rollout of spank odds help or hurt your team's ROI? Hard to tell. Um, we're a profitable company, we um, so we're making money in the spank odds. Do 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 people that have spank odds hurt us? Um, I, I'm pretty sure they do in some some way, but I don't know how much. I'm hoping that the subscription money outweighs the cost of us missing a number here and there. Uh, so I can't answer that. I hope that we made the right decision, and you know what? Hopefully, you know the business grows and we do a good thing. Jay at the Edgy Better. When are you getting Tim Fraley on the podcast? Great question. I like Tim a lot. I'd love to hear his story on, you know, he always says it, that he listened to my podcast and uh, changed his life. You know, Tim, you know, he makes, you know, he makes me feel like a million bucks that I actually, you know, 
you know, that I actually changed his life and made him, you know, have a, a living and, and earn a living betting sports and shit, you know, I, I, if, <coughs> you know, when I built this podcast, if I could do that for one person, that was the ultimate goal, and I've done it with a lot of people, and Tim is just a vocal one about it, and it, you know, it makes you feel good, like, this is kind of the payment, right, like, this is what I, I got paid to do this podcast, it wasn't monetary, and, um, but it was helping another, helping my fellow man out, because Lord knows, in this business, when you fucking lay two and a half on the 49ers and shit, you are not helping anybody out, except yourself, so this is a thankless, you know, there's nothing, you're not helping society out, so if I can do this podcast, if I could help a fellow better out, if I could take the time to answer all these questions, um, man, it, it, it brings me joy that is not monetary, and for that, I'm thankful. JD at JD37 underscore. Do you believe the influence of Be Better Betters, Spank Odds, and or your philosophy in general has significantly increased the amount of people who earn through top-down betting? <sighs> I don't know. You know, I don't even know how strong my influence is, brother, to be honest. You know, I speak the truth. I say what's on my mind, and I've, I know I've, I've helped a lot of people, but, I, you know, who knows? I can't, I, I don't know, I, I don't have a market gauge on how many people are top-down betting these days, and, you know, if I can make a small difference, I'm happy about it. Um, if I can help people out um, with Be Better Betters and Spancons, sure, I'm happy to do so. But I don't know how much of a gauge that, I, I can't gauge it, I don't know how much um, impact I've made. Um, but whatever impact I've made, no matter how small it is, again, if I affect one life, I'm, I'm so happy. If that one life turns into two, ten, twenty, hundred, thousand, whatever it is, hey, that's great, man. Uh, it, it, you know, I needed, when I was started up and I was reading those forums coming up, and there are a lot of smart people that helped me out that asked for nothing. And they took the time to answer my questions and educated the young punk that I was that thought he had all the answers and and they enlightened me in so many ways, and I'm forever grateful, and I never knew who these people were, they were just, they went by usernames on, on a forum, um, and for me, that's something that, you know what, just pass it down, give back, um, and you never know, how, you know, helping somebody out in this business is just, a, it's a good thing, and I'm, I'm happy to do it. All right, Jock, at Straight Bet Jock. In the summer months, what do you and your crew typically bet? Well, we bet fucking baseball, Jock. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's what goes on in the summer. Um, you know, a little WNBA mixed in, but not really. Uh, if the World Cup's going on every four years, we do a little bit of that. Olympics, we might do a little of that, I guess. I don't know. You know, nothing much. Summer's kind of when we, 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 we kind of go on autopilot. Um... Got a couple of sharp baseball betting groups we deal with, um, but it's tough. You know, baseball is, 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 is tough for us. We tried, you know, I used to have a winning baseball model until it wasn't winning, and it just, it's a hard thing, because I, you know, I never, I was doing top-down all the time, and the lines weren't moving as much, so then I built a model in baseball. I said, let me try this bottom-up thing, and we won for a little bit, and then we started losing, and then I'm like, fuck, I can't keep up with this. This is a life, this thing is, 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 
it takes all the time in the world and you got to keep refine 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 and i'm over here trying to code and make sure the bots are working and everything else is working and i'm i'm i gotta maintain this model and it just got beyond the scope of whether it be my intelligence or the scope of my my uh reach or, or or whatever it was and then i just said you know what this ain't you know i can't do this what am i i'm trying to be a bottom-up guy when i'm really not instead let me pair up with the best bottom-up guys in the world let me keep doing my top-down stuff and and that's how it happened the minute you think you could do everything is impossible you know that that's the, i think that's another tip if i could give anybody like, you can't do it all like there was a time you know when, you, when i think about how i started this I was the coder, one of the, it was me and my partner, we were both coding, I was the better, I was the coder, I was the PNC guy, I was the outgetter, I was the, you know, dinner guy, you have all these things, in order to run a successful sports betting business, you have to do every one of these things, okay, now it's different, sure I code, but I have coders that do it with me, I don't bet anymore at all, I got Luke doing that with my other guys. He does that. Does Luke mess with anything else? Absolutely not. Luke doesn't need to. He focuses on what he does. Chinese Mike, he does the figures. He also bets a little bit, but not really. He's doing mostly figures. Again, and talking to new people. You know, What do I do? I'm going out to dinners, meeting people, vetting people. Um, and I'm coding, so I'm doing kind of the super front-end stuff, super back-end stuff, and then all the middle stuff that happens, I rely on people. And that's how we operate. We have a team of people that everybody has designated roles. Think about having to read all the injuries. I have a team that does that. Like, imagine trying to do all this shit by yourself. If you want to scale, you got to build a team. That's the key thing. Know what you're good at. Know what you suck at. And find people that you suck at. Find people, find people that are good at what you suck at, and work together. All right, that was a long answer for a question that wasn't even asked, but I just felt like asking it. Answering it. Okay, Nick Isimon at Isimon Nick. Do you believe in betting more of your bankroll when you feel you have a better edge on the game market or sticking to a flat betting system? Also, do you think AI technology can affect the betting world in the future to help predict games or sharper lines? Okay, first question, yes. You should bet more if you have a bigger edge. Again, though, do not bet so much more that you could go broke. Um, <coughs> and usually the case is if you, th if you estimate your edge to be really that much bigger, I'm willing to bet that most likely your estimate is more likely to be wrong. Um, it's more likely that your estimate is wrong and the edge being correct. Um, so, you know, my buddy Harry Crane put that up the other day, saying usually when you're doing Kelly, you're usually over-betting the edges where you're wrong. You know what I mean? So it's like one of those things where you think, okay, I think I have all this big edge, but it's probably wrong. You missed something. So if the edge is too good to be true, that's why people just stick to flat betting because most likely their edge, you know, you have, if you're accurately estimating your edge, it's one thing. But if you're not, and it's hard to accurately estimate your edge, you know, something's too good to be true, it probably is. That's probably the best thing. Again, just it applies to life. 
Uh, do I think AI technology can affect the betting world? Yeah, AI has taken over a lot of things. Um, can it affect the betting world to help predict games or sharper lines? Sure. Um, but then again, the, the best AI, everyone's AI, the best AI has to be written by a human. Even though it's AI, it has to answer questions that eventually humans have had to answer. You know, a, a computer can't answer these unless a human at one point answered it. So again, the best AI is still going to be based on whatever a human input has brought it into it in the world. And once again, once the, once the computer thinks it could go on autopilot, it's just subject to be able to uh, f have people um, find ways to exploit its weaknesses. Okay, ACL tear at ACL tear 7. What kind of results do betting groups that specialize in getting down need to see from small market originators in order to take them on and start putting money down on their plays? Is there a target ROI? Are there other factors? <coughs> okay. What kind of results? <sighs> so, there's so many small betting groups out there, right? You want to look at small betting groups and small market guys. So what kind of, there's a lot, I mean, they're all dying for outs. You you come to Bet Bash and you say, I have outs, you know, it's like you're you're the bell of the ball. You're the only woman in the room of all the guys, and these guys haven't been laid in decades. Uh, they want you, and they want a piece of you so bad. So how do you, do, what do you do? How do you, who do you know who to work with? Um... And you got to shop around, you ask for the best deal, ask for history, you know, do your homework. Um, and the guys that real, some people just say F you, some people will be ready, they'll have the sales pitch ready, and you just do your homework, and reputation, know the reputation, ask around. Hey, you ever dealt with this guy, you know, ABC, or whatever his name is, just just ask who it is, and, and um, the reputation is everything. Because no matter what anybody tells you, they're always going to sell you what they're selling you. But I would always look for an you know, ROI minimum. That all depends on what your bankroll is. There's no target ROI. You just want to make sure that you get paid, that they're honorable, that you're making money. And another big thing I would think is that, you know, you don't get, ch how fast are you going to get chased? Ask them the questions they don't want to answer. How fast will I lose my account? When will I get chased? Honestly, ask people, tell me, who do you deal with? I want to talk to them and see how fast they lost their account. Because, again, if you get chased in a week, okay, sure, you made a couple of dimes in a week. Is that better than having the account last for a few years even, or a year, and not getting chased and making a little less every week? <coughs> these are questions you got to ask yourself. But find out, because a lot of these small market guys, they... Uh, they don't give a shit because they know that. So they just want to turn, churn, and turn, and burn, and earn, and that's it. They don't give a shit if they get chased. They'll just go on to the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy. So you got to make sure, you know, you don't want to, you want to see how long the account lasts. And no account's going to last forever, but you want to be able to obviously maximize the longevity and maximize the earn. And there's a balance there. Um, you know, the stuff that's the most earned has the least longevity. The stuff has the smallest earn, has the longest longevity. So you want to get a little bit of both and make the most money possible. Okay. Man, what are we on here? Now we're in 20. Oh, my God. All right. 
how many more do we got here? I uh, sorry guys, this is uh yeah. Alright, we're getting close actually. This isn't that bad. This isn't that bad. Okay, good. I thought this was never gonna end, but we're having a good time. I hope I'm helping out. Thank you. Next Gamberly at Amber Gambling coming in for a second. Do you think in-game betting as it stands with the tendency of books to move lines on everyone and they do because ADR set on everyone and Tina DeRose set on everyone and circles off can become predatory for both Rec and Sharp without discipline. And knowing about FOMO, betters will take less EV. Okay, I gotta read that again. Do you think in-game betting, as it stands, with the tendency of books to move lines on everyone, uh, can become predatory uh, without discipline? Yes. So I know some of the sharpest people, I'm not going to mention his name, but one of the sharpest bettors I know made a lot of money betting pre-game and then lost a lot of money betting in-game. In-game was his Achilles heel. He lost a lot. And anybody that's in the business knows who I'm talking about. Any bookmaker. This guy just could not stop. Um, In-game betting is that could definitely, you know, lead to more addiction, I guess, um, without discipline. Because there's just always a new line, a new thing. And, and again, um, you know, and there's more vig attached to it. So it's just hard. You think you have the best of it, but... You know, it's it's a lot of people. Oh, there's 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 definitely vulnerabilities, and sure, there are definitely vulnerabilities. But again, there's more vig you're gonna lay. Is in-game beatable? Absolutely, it is. Just like everything else is beatable. But um, is it also for the regular guy? Um, uh, it's probably more dangerous than just a regular bet because in-game you just keep firing, 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 firing. And soon enough, you might, you know, blow your, you know, people just can't stop. And they're like, shit, I, it's, it's got to turn around, it's got to turn around. And all of a sudden, um, you know, the bookmakers love it because they're just writing so much action in-game. Whereas a pre-game, you know, you bet, you either win, lose, that's it. Done. Maybe, you know, want to bet the game at the half. But in-game, it's just constant, constant writing action. It's a bookmaker's dream. Um, that are dealing the right numbers, and even the ones that are dealing the wrong numbers and that are exploitable, um, they still don't give three shits because they're making so much money on uh, on the hold because they charge more vig, and um, and um, it just open to more of degenerate behavior. Um. Yes. Hope I answered that question. Alright, Gavin, at Rematch727. Why do pros seemingly not spend much time on baseball when there are tons of opportunity for volume? In your opinion, are lines more efficient 30 minutes or so before the close than at the close? Any generic advice on how to spot fake line moves based on limits? Alright, so why do pros... Three questions here, Gavin. Why do pros seemingly not spend much time on baseball? There's, there's still pro betting groups out there that bet baseball. Um, we're not one of them. We'll, we'll, we, we, we align ourselves with some sharp, and we still bet it, and we believe we can win. Um, but originating baseball is um, it's hard. It's, 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 it's hard. A lot of people give up on it. There's a lot of data out there that should be exploitable. And usually people that deal a dime line, it, it's, you know, it's surprising. I, I agree with you. I just don't know, um, you know, 
just it's, it's just we haven't had as much success with it as the other sports. In your opinion, are lines more efficient 30 minutes or so before the close than after the close? Well, it depends. That's the whole thing about uh, what Antonino said. Um, you know, 30 minutes, um, I'd probably go 15. You know, I, I don't know what the right number is, but if I had to choose, um, and again, if the line is subject to manipulation, all depends on the limits. Um, that's another big thing, you know. If, if if the game is, if there's a 200-dime limit, I'll take the closing line. Fuck 10 minutes before, 15 minutes. If the limit's a dime, yeah, sure. I'll definitely take a few minutes, several minutes before, because a lot of that last-minute shit um, might not be that big. So, again, a lot of it depends on limits and the different factors, and a lot of it depends on line history. Um, just watching it. So it's hard to generically answer a question. Um, if I see a separate scenario, if I look at the line history, you kind of would know, okay, this is where the closing line is. And again, look at other bookmakers. It just doesn't have to use one bookmaker. Last but not least, any generic advice on how to spot fake line moves based on limits? Yes. If the limits are low, they're most likely a fake line move. If the limits are high, comparable to the rest of the, um, to the, rest of, of the limit lifetime, of the, the line, then, you know, it all depends. So, <coughs> on spank odds, we have not just line history, we have limit history. So, you could look, and you'll know, and you could just see, when the limits are low, sometimes some funny shit goes on. That wouldn't happen when the limits are high. And that's for you to decide. But yes, definitely, um, um, more manipulation happens when limits are low. Milkshake, at Milkshake4590. How does your group track plays as a betting group with so many different outs, bets and hands in the pot? So we have internal software that I built God, 20 years ago that we log all our plays. And we have everything there and we have all the splits and everything. And everything gets charted automatically. So uh, it's our own internal software that we have. And no, I'm not selling it to anybody. I'm not. In, I'm, this is just for us. So, um, but that's how we do it. It's impossible. You know, some people might try to do it on a spreadsheet. We just, we can't have that spreadsheet type shit. There's just too many moving parts, and we need, you know, we have chat groups that interact with our, so we have, like, different chat groups that, let's just say we have runners out in the street. The runner could type a text message in. We have processes that parse that text message and chart the play. So a runner turns in a bet. The bet then is then charted in our system, and this way, we don't have to worry about the runner calling in the play. He just does everything automatically. He checks his figure all on the phone, and it automatically enters our chart so we know how much we have on any given time. Um, so there's different things, different, you know, our robots interact. When a robot bets, it automatically, you know, logs the bets. So everything is just in an, an internal master chart. Tucci at Tucci1996. Curious what you think of Odds Jam. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you. I didn't know Odds Jam. I heard of them. I haven't used them. Um, you know, I don't know. I, I, um, I, I've never tried them, and I know they have some type of uh, odd screen. I don't know if it's similar to ours or not. Um, but um, I, I think they display also different urns, or, or uh, from what I understand. And, you know, uh, I, people. some people spoke nice things about it. I um I don't really have a comment. I've never used it, but um I wish them all the best. 
Legit picks at legit picks. If you were a rec better who partnered with a pro, what if any performance benchmarks would you set? Ah, uh, performance benchmarks. I don't know. I would just chart things. You know, we have a guy that used to chart everything we used to do. He kind of pointed a lot of shit out that we already knew, but he would tell us things down to the freaking details. Like, he would, you know, he'd give us a couple of accounts or whatever. And it was eye-opening, a lot of the stuff. Like, not only, you know, okay, you do better on totals than on sides. Okay, no shit. Um, but there's times which, you know, when you bet between 2 p.m. and 5 p.m., because this is a betting partner for years, um, you have this record. And, you know, he kind of went really, really deep, and we haven't done as deep of analysis like that. And it was enlightening to see something like that. Um... So, yeah, you know, uh, when you bet at post, it's this ROI versus this and this closing line value. And he just kind of, it was beautiful um, to see something like that. And he cares. You know, and, and when betting partners do that, we love that shit. And sh please share that data with us. We love it. We know we're, um, you know, we could probably do a better job, ch um, not just record keeping, but knowing where our holes are and knowing where we could improve our improve our process on but at the end of the day there's only so much you could do when if it ain't broke don't fix it type thing we know we make money we know we win can we enhance our process to make it to make more money yes but at what cost we gotta write the program to chart it differently to do this and that and <coughs> you know it's hard to change what ain't broken but we're open to it and we think about these things all the time. But there's only so much you could do. Only so many man hours in a day. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you just got to live with the lump that you got and just move on. Um, but, uh, yeah, I would. I don't know what benchmarks, man. I, I, it's funny. I go off on these tangents. I don't even answer these questions. I feel bad. Um, if you were a rec better part of this, you know, I'd look at return on investment, closing line value, um, you know, just the basic stuff that everybody looks at. Uh, and longevity. That's the big one. How long you last. You know what I mean? See, a lot of, you know, you know, because, you know, and, and what happens and, you know, different things. Like, you know, you gotta, that's a big one, though, how long you last. Legit picks, again, coming in. Legit picks is coming in for a three for three. I'm looking like, oh my god. What sports books do you consider the sharpest for each sport? Ah, it's hard. Again, I can't answer that because I'm not I'm not here to day to day. The answer is whoever takes the highest limit. That's the short answer for each sport. Legit picks again for the trifecta. If you were a rec better with many outs looking to partner with a pro, what vetting would you recommend before deciding on which pro to go with? I would ask references, and um, I would ask references, and I would make sure that not only did they pay, that's the most important thing, that they pay when they lose, but longevity, I would look for, and I would look for, um, you know, I'd try to get the best deal possible, and, um, and, uh, and that's it. Don't worry about making the most money in a short period of time, you want to make most money over a lifetime. Or over a year. I think that's an important thing. Um, because
because again, I know how hard it is to get outs. And I know if I'm a wreck better and I have these outs, you know, you're going to get limited. So you want to make the most bang for your buck and you want to make it last. The best thing, the best type of person to partner up with is the one where you could actually win, but the bookmaker thinks you're more lucky than good. Where you don't have closing line value. Um, and those are hard to come by. Not too many of those out there. There's one I know. His name's Chinese Mike. Here's the plug for Chinese Mike for the podcast. All right. Kenneth Hopkins at FreakyKen92. So y'all added a feature that if a team is circled, it means that the limit is lower than normal. What does that mean? Is that a good thing or a bad thing if the limit is lower than usual? Yeah, so spank odds, we put in a circled feature. People were telling us, hey, Don Best has this. You know, you guys got to put this in. And I'm like, all right. But I did not want my injury team doing this. They're just too busy reading shit, and I can't have them determine what circled, what isn't. So I just wrote a little, you know, I just looked at the mode, or I looked at the mode of the limits of Chris Pinnacle Circa, and if the limit was less than the mode, uh, I used the mode. It's probably not the right move. I probably should take the average, but... I don't want to. I wanted to make a circle be rare. Um, that's how you know. Again, there's different things, but what does this mean? That means that there's an injury that's pending. So I would point at the info and I would know somebody's there's an injury that's unknown. So which way the line's gonna move, we don't know. If there's somebody questionable, we don't know. But you could tell where the market thinks the injury is gonna lean towards. Line opens five. Let's just say LeBron. That's probably the only player I know at this point. Lakers minus five. LeBron's questionable. Okay? Line goes to Lakers minus six and a half during the day. He's still questionable. Okay, what happens? LeBron's announced in. Okay. Oh, shit. LeBron's announced in. Let me lay the Lakers minus six and a half. No. You do not do that. Okay? Because that six and a half was reflected, most likely, was reflective of LeBron already being in. Uh, Now the line goes to six and a half and LeBron's announced out, I would jump on that plus six and a half. Um, because that line moved, moved, moved the wrong way, essentially, and that was that looks like a surprised out. So, kind of buying the rumors, selling the news, understand these things, but a circled game, you want to look for the injury, update, and then react accordingly. Ace Rothstein's suits at casino underscore suits. Have you ever went bust before, and if so, how did you handle it, financially and mentally? At what point did you realize you could do this full-time and be able to support yourself and family? I am proud, proud to admit that I have never, ever gone even close to bust in my life. Ever. Why? Because I did not want to go back to working in a corporation, and I wanted to make sure that I was, uh, you know, Again, uh, that's just me. Now, could I have made a lot more money if I took a lot more risk? Absolutely. Um, but I just did not. I'm a risk-averse person that doesn't need a lot of money, you know, to, to be happy. Um, you know, I, I just, as long as I can support my family, eat wherever I want, buy whatever I want, you know, just easy. Have a nice house, nice car, nice, you know, different things, a couple of toys here and there. And that's it. You know what I mean? It's not, nothing crazy. Um, but uh, I never went bust. Um, so I can't, I, and I, I don't know how I would have handled it. Um, and I'm glad I never had to experience that. 
I realized I could do this full-time and support myself and my family when I was making more money doing this part-time than I was at my regular job. And that's when I quit my regular job back in 03, and that's now over 20 years of doing this exclusively. Thanks for the question, Ace. Bam Bam Sports Services at Services Bam. What second and third level thinking do you use to anticipate line movement? I don't even know what the first level thinking is, let alone the second and third. Again, Bam Bam, this is tough. Um, I, I can't, te I can't teach what I know in my mind and a scenario basis. Um, in words, I can't vocalize it, or, or until it happens and I'm there and I see something, and I can point it out. I would look at limits. I look at line history. I look at opening line. I, it depends on who's moving first, who's moving second, um, how fast they're moving between each other. Um, you see, you know, you could tell a coordinated attack versus a non-coordinated attack. Is this a you know, when you see Chris and Pinnacle move ex exactly at the same time? That looks like a coordinated fake. Um, if they're moving, boom, and then a couple of heartbeats, and then boom, that doesn't look as coordinated. And again, you just, and then these things just stay in you, and then you just, you know, you have to, it's just trial and error, watching, 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 and seeing what's happening. Um, it's, you know, you just got to feel for it, and it changes all the time. You know, right now, I couldn't spot anything. If it, You know, I just, I, I haven't put the hours in. Um, and uh, and I even tell Luke when we're trying to fake a game, I, the most thing I tell Luke is don't be predictable, don't do the same thing over and over again. And then he, I we we talked about it. he goes, but if it's working, why not? I'm like because it's eventually not gonna work, and you don't want anybody to even sniff our tail, and um, and I think that's that's an important thing. You don't you don't want to be predictable, and you wanna keep the bookmakers on their toes and make sure that they they don't, you know, the bookmakers that we have personal relationships with, or even not, it's just, this is a game, right? So, you want the bookmaker to move the same time, the same amount, every play. You want him to be predictable. You want him to move. Now, if he starts moving less on you, you need to punish him for that. If he starts moving more on you, you need to punish him for that. So you have to, you know, you want to control it. You want him to do what you want. You essentially want to virtually get into the bookmaker's head, and it depends on who, the, the time of day. I'm going to be on, you know what I mean? It depends on who's working that day. Betting a game Wednesday at 2 p.m. is different than Friday at 7 p.m. You know, but you want to try to essentially place a bet and say, this is where he's going after I place this bet. When you know how to do something like that and you essentially virtually got into the bookmaker's mind where he wrote your bet and you predicted where he was going and he does exactly where you needed him, exactly what you wanted him to do, that's when you're, you're, you're doing your job right and you understand the market very, very well. That's the big thing. And um, and a bookmaker, on the other hand, um, is happy to do so. You know, he does. You don't want him to know if it's fake or not. Now, some bookmakers can figure it out better than others, but and that's the, that's the gamesmanship behind it. You know, 
it's never always fake. It's never always real. But you know what? Let him lay 110 and lay 110 the other side and, you know, and we just earn the juice. Okay, fine. Let's let, we'll take it. It's, they're not. They're not. It's not costing them much as long as they don't move too heavy, and um, the right bookmaker will then understand, and he'll be able to, you know, react accordingly. And, and again, it's just a, uh, it's 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 a battle, and uh, it's just a battle. It's an ongoing battle, of, of. Uh, but again, moving the line is always the right move. Okay. I was again, I thought, I hope I answered that right. Alex Poderoff at 8 pot underscore Totem AX. Now that Spankos is a paid subscription, are you adding any of those secret Chinese underground outs to the screen? Ha! <laughs> oh, Alex. Um. Not sure. But, uh, who knows? Probably not, to be honest. But you will never know. Keep an eye on the bookies. That's something I tell everybody. Columns, bookies. Check that often. And if there's not a bookmaker you added that you don't know like, what the fuck is this, add them. Check out their prices. You'd be pleasantly surprised at some of these bookmakers that we've added. Okay. Who knows? They might even be on there as of now, Alex, and you don't even realize it. Jack Flack at Jack Flack 55. Do you think players try as hard to win today compared to those of 25 years ago? What is the best way to handicap which teams aren't going to show up? Do I think players try as hard to win today as 25 years ago? I think everybody's trying to win. Um, the desire to win, I don't know if it's changed. Um, so yes, I think everyone's trying to win. Um, what is the best way to handicap which teams aren't going to show up? Um, so I guess determine if somebody's intentionally tanking, uh, yeah, I, you know, different scenarios, different times, um, you know, a lot of people tank towards the end of the season to give themselves a better draft position or whatnot, um, I don't know, like, there's just so many scenarios that you could think of and, you know, a lot of different things different, you know, bids on players and, you know, uh, it, it's deep. That's a deep question. And, um, <coughs> and, um, there's a lot of things you can look for, but, uh, I don't really want to get into a lot of it, to be honest. But yes, there's definitely things out there you can look for. Breakfast Man at Gumi guy, is there a sports book you were down on, you can't beat? Is there a sport you tried bet beating, betting, but you couldn't beat? Sports book I'm down on that I can't beat. I believe we could beat everybody if we wanted to. Are there sports books that we're down on because we know we're going to be down on? Yes, definitely. But we intentionally are down at that sports book because we make more money being down at that sports book. Um. But I don't think there's a sports book out there that we can't beat. At least not today. Is there a sport you tried betting but you couldn't beat? Nah. You know. With, with the top-down approach, you could beat everything. Matt Zilbert. Oh, there he is. At Matt Zilbert. Otherwise known as the cat. Slash Mr. Overunda. 
That's a character of characters. When are you ever going to release a play and actually prove yourself as elite instead of just being all talk? <coughs> so, I'm going to answer this to Matt directly. Um, appreciate the question, Matt. So, Matt, you know, I know your desire to want to be accepted, and, you know, you're releasing plays, and you're very proud of your record, and you believe that you're very good at what you do. And God bless you, man. That's cool. You know what I mean? I'm not going to hate on anybody for doing whatever they do. And you want to get clout, and, you know, whenever something wins, you, you know, highlight it and tweet out that, hey, look at me, another winner or whatever. That's great. Um, I'm in a situation in which I don't need any clout. I don't need any public approval. I don't need any of that shit. I need to win, not for people to love me, but so that I can support my family, support my staff. And that's the ultimate goal. So it's a very different... Um, our, our, our end goals, our end points are not aligned. You have to prove yourself, because if you don't prove yourself, then what happens? I don't even know what you do. You're a writer, so I guess you lose your job as a writer, and maybe um, you wouldn't be able to get any more uh, writing jobs, I guess. So yeah, you need to do that. I have to not prove myself to the general public. I have to win so that I can keep doing what I'm doing. Um... So it's just different. So for us to not share any plays publicly is design is is, is the, the reasoning behind it is we don't need to. That's not what we want to do. We just want to win. Now, if you think, hey, look, you know, I'm I'm not elite, brother. I'm a winning sports better. That's for sure. And um, and again, you know, is um. Most importantly, how can you tell if somebody's a winning sports better? How can you tell they're just not all talk? Who knows? Maybe this whole spanky thing is all bullshit, and I just pretend like I win. That could be the case. But the way to know for sure, and this just goes with everybody, not just me or anybody, is ask bookmakers. What do bookmakers say about the guy? Because they know for sure, right? Bookmakers book the bets. They know, is this guy a winner? And if they don't know directly, they'll know players or people that know the guy if he's a winner or not. Talk to bookmakers, betting partners, blah, 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 blah. Those are the ones that will be able to tell you if this guy truly wins. That's the key. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't listen to me. Don't listen to Chinese Mike. None of that shit. We could say whatever. Listen to people that give us outs. Listen to people that have booked our bets. Then they'll be able to tell you uh, whether we're uh, legit or not. And that goes for everybody. I think that's something that's always, you know, if you think, oh, yeah, is this guy the real deal? He puts his record, and he says he's the best, this tout, or that tout, or this guy, or that guy. Ask the bookmaker, what bookmakers can you give me in Vegas, offshore, that I can, that, that you could that you give them permission to tell me, oh yeah, is this guy the real deal? What betting partners that are well-known, that have given you outs, that you've won for them? This is how you, get, you, you kind of vet somebody and know if they're the real deal. Not if they post plays. Because the people that post plays are the ones that are looking more to be famous than are looking th instead of earning. 
I appreciate the question, Matt. Good luck to you, pal. Joe G at not your average Joe with a K. Spanky, is this ticket and money percentage shown on some odd screens accurate? What books are included in these counts if it's not bullshit? I don't trust these percentages showing. What say you? Yeah, I don't I don't fuck with that. This ticket percentage bullshit. I don't even give a shit about that. Um you know, that's not for me. Um you know, I don't I don't you know. I I don't even care about that, brother. I I'm I'm just looking at the line I'm getting. Uh versus the closing line if I'm getting a good price and, and all that other shit and you know. I don't know where they get that from and how accurate it is or not, but I wouldn't utilize that in your handicapping. Alright, we're coming close to the end, I think, yes. This has been great, guys, I appreciate it. Um, Tout Central, at Central Tout, what percentage of your bets are from legitimately reading the screen versus being told by betting groups what they're betting? That's a great question. Uh, these days, not much reading the screen as much. We, we're partnered with the best in the world at this point. Um, so it makes our life a lot easier. We have the best groups that we deal with in the world that we've partnered up with. Um, but we still are, you know, reading the screen and, and doing some stuff. Um, I don't know, maybe 80-20, 90-10. That's my guess. JNP it coming in again. Hey, Spanky, what's, what are some of the biggest differences between predicting line movement for major leagues versus low, small limit leagues? A major difference is limits and knowing um, that the smaller leagues are so much more subject to manipulation due to limits versus the bigger leagues, which is have higher limits. And as you get deeper and deeper into the life cycle of a line, the odds of manipulation become uh, harder and harder um, for major, major sports such as the NFL. Not much manipulating, if any, going on NFL Sunday, right? It just doesn't, can't happen. Um, just too expensive. Marty Stevens, my man, MDC Marty, do you have a five dimes Tony story? Yeah, I have several, but, <coughs> you know, I've been down to Costa Rica several times. I've sat with Tony, you know, went to his office. Nice guy, you know, at the time, you know, pretty cocky. Um, but it was always nice to me. Um, you know, we had a deal in which, you know, he, whenever he'd have a bad lineup, um, what he would do is, uh, we'd have a deal. If he had a bad lineup, I'm like, you know, I'd, I'd call him up and I'd say, Tony had a bad lineup. And then, and this is the time where Tony used to actually talk on the phone, none of the, you know, before he went all chat, but. And then the deal was that he'd let me bet, I think it was a five-dime bet or whatever, he'd give me a no-juice line on the, the bad line that he had up, and I could choose to bet either side. So let's just say the bad line he had, I don't know, put in 17 for a line that was 7. So the line 7, he'd go, okay, minus 7, plus 08. So it would be plus 7, minus 08. And then I would have to choose one or the other to place a bet on, if I wanted to. Or I could just pass. But I'd have to make the decision right then and there. And we had that deal going on where I would help him. He'd give me a no-juice bet. And it was a pretty good relationship we've had for, for a while. Um, uh, that's, you know, as far as it really goes. Um, I know there's a lot of people that have other stories. I have a couple of more, but... Eh. 
that's one story. You asked for one, so I gave you one. Vic Vega parody tribute account. Give my accounts to Chinese Mike or the greatest of all time, Tim Fraley. Um, I'd give them to Tim Fraley because uh, we're good, you know, Chinese Mike. Um, we have enough accounts, but I'd love for my man Tim to earn. So definitely give them to my man Tim. Um, okay, where are we at now? I just lost it. Not good. I just lost the thread. So now I gotta find it again. Oh, shit. Okay, just bear with me here. Boom, boom, boom. Now we gotta go down all the way. Okay. Where do we leave off here? Have I ever went bust? Uh, okay, jmc1.bsky.social at jmc underscore pgh. Happy Thanksgiving, Spanky. Thanks, bro. How hard do you have to whale it up to get down a million dollars on an alternate first half line? How many people in the USA can get this action down to the regulator book? And you're connecting this action network uh, tweet that says there were two one million dollar bets on Buffalo Hard Rock bet tonight. A million dollars on the Bills first half minus one and a half, and a billion dollars on the Bills first half minus four and a half. Yeah, um, that's a hard limit to get, and um, there's going to be a lot of profiling before you get that kind of limit. Um, a lot of profiling. My guess is it's definitely a casino player. Um, and, a, and a long casino player, not a week, not a month, probably years, to have that kind of big, big type of pit player that they gave that to. So a completely, completely proven whale um, where they have no fear that this guy has no idea what he's doing. That's my guess. And again, this is the type of stuff in which we love to be able to find. So... Once the casino is so convinced that this is a whale, these are the type of people we love to meet. It's so funny. I'll tell this story, which I think is, is hilarious. But So, before WinBet kicked this out, Chinese Mike was a VIP at WinBet. And um, they had this party at, um, at, Giants, at uh, MetLife Stadium. And they had this party where all the VIPs were invited. And it was like a there was some Jets, a New York Jets player that was there, and um, I forgot the guy's name, but whatever. And it was just us there with all the VIP players, otherwise known as complete super degenerate squares, and us. And um, and it was pretty amazing, like, you know, because they didn't know anything about Chinese Mike. We had a host, the guy, you know, whatever. So we're all there, we're eating and stuff, and now... Me and Mike, and I think we brought somebody else, we're working this now, because these are like the best players in the world. And they actually led us into this win-bet party. And I'm not trying to, you know, again, I'm trying to earn just like everybody else, but they let us in, um, trying to be nice to us. And again, I don't know, thank you for being nice, but at the same time, you know, you're putting me in a room with the biggest whales of your company, that are living on the East Coast or on living in the New York, New Jersey area 
and you're expecting me to just say hi. And it's just a horn. You know what I'm saying? Like, this is like prime breeding ground. So, needless to say, um, uh, we've, uh, we flipped a few whales that night. And, um, and it was eye-opening how much these people get down. Absolutely insane. Crazy shit. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't want to, I, I have friends that win bets, so I don't want to tell them that I flipped the whales at their office, so I didn't do it at your guy's office, these guys played at other places as well, so I don't want to let the people that win that are listening to this think that, damn spanky, you know, whatever, but, nah, but we really, um, it was great, you know what I mean, these are the type of parties and stuff we love to get into, and we could try to, you know, try to find our way into these parties where VIPs just mingle with other VIPs and, you know, I'm over here trying to, you know, change these losers into winners and, um, you know, it's just, uh, it's just amazing. I, I, you know, I would, you know, if I had these whales, I would never have one of these parties just because I'd be scared that a spanky or an undercover Chinese mic would show up and flip them, but I guess it doesn't happen as often as it should. But to me, it's like the best thing in the world to be able to infiltrate these parties. It's worth probably 100 bet bashes um, to be able to just get a few of these guys. Because these guys are the truest of the true. And sick gamblers, too. You know what I mean? It's not like, you know, sick, sick guys that love to bet and, you know... I'm not even, I don't even want to mention professions because then whoever's listening could find out who it was. But we're talking about high, high guys that are top of their field type shit. So, again, um, it's uh, it's cool. All right. Hope I didn't get myself into too much trouble telling that story. But middle alert at middle alert. Have you considered entering politics? I think you would be a better president than Joe Biden. Well, thank you. Um, I have not considered entering politics. I think politicians are, um, you know, not a fan of any politician. I think you become a politician, you kind of sell your soul, and, you know, it's just, at least for me, it's just, it's, it's not, not for me. MMA Bet Kings at MMA Bet Kings. Best way to pay yourself when jumping into it full time. Best way to pay yourself? Well, I didn't pay myself for three years when I went full time. Um, you know, just lived off savings and whatnot, and then eventually we started taking a little bit out. Uh, so, I don't know, just make sure that it doesn't help your, it doesn't hurt your ability to get down, whatever you do decide. Big Dick, Big Dick John at Tiny Turtle 420. <coughs> What's the industry standard split for folks who get you accounts? What if they want no risk and for you to put up all the money, aka you go down, they own nothing? You win, they get 20%. Using some friends, family, as beards and don't know a fair split. All right, so if people put up their money, what we do is they put up the money, they gamble with us. It's 50-50. That's how we operate. We don't mess with anything less. A lot of people out there, you know, so many whores, $5 whores out there that fucking give 90% and they'll keep 10 because they're so desperate for accounts. That's not us. If we're not, if we're taking less, we're not taking less than 50 Um so we just tell you to go elsewhere. Um, if you want a free roll, we'll give you a 20% free roll. Sometimes it's less. Depends. 10%, maybe 15, 20 is tops. Um, but that free roll will be at the end of the season. It will not be um, week to week because we want to make sure we have longevity. 
Um, we don't want people to bail on us after a bad week, etc. So we want it to be at the end of the week, at the end of the season, um, and that's usually the standard. Uh, most people will take the free roll at first, and then eventually they'll realize, oh, shit, I'm costing myself 30% because these guys win, so I'll just go 50-50. And then we make sure they understand that we can still lose and that they're liable now for uh, when they lose. We're only paying 50%. It's not a free roll anymore. And, um, and that's it. Levi Ackerman wins. Now, Levi Ackerman wins. For someone who wants to take their sports betting to the next level by growing their bankroll and unit size, what would you recommend someone do? Can't justify the price of the pro subscription of spank cards yet, but what would you do? <sighs> I would middle and scalp if I was trying to grow my bankroll. I would get a spank cards and see if you get the basic version for free. Don't have to pay shit for it. See if those middles and scalp exist. You'll be competing with other people that have a live version and try to bet middles and scalps. Look at the best column, see what's highlighted, and, um, and try to do it that way. Build enough of a bankroll and then work from there. J. Darmandos at Yahoo.com. Hi, Spanky. Can you please explain in detail about bots? I have several legal outs and some PPHs and have a hard time getting some numbers. How does it work and how can I obtain one? Thank you for doing this. I've learned a ton from you. Happy Thanksgiving. Thanks, you. Thanks, Jay Dormandos. Um, happy Thanksgiving to you, too. So, bots essentially, what are bots? Bots, you know, we have our own in-house bots. There's a couple of groups out there that, uh, that uh, lease their bots. And they'll let you use their bots and they'll charge you. I don't know what the charge is. They'll either charge you, they'll take a piece of the bet. They might charge you a certain fixed amount to use their bots. What does a bot do? A bot essentially has an interface where you say, you know, you put a game number in 573 minus 5. And it'll go out and bet all your outs minus 5, if the minus 5 exists. And then it'll chart it for you, and then you'll see what you have. That's what a bot does. It's just an auto-better. Um, doesn't do anything bad. It doesn't do anything. It just allows you to bet all the little outs at the one point. Now, for somebody that has 5, 10 outs, you probably don't need a bot. You just bet them all by hand. Once you get a little bit more than 10, you know, and we have thousands of outs, so we need a bot. But uh, once you get, you know, where it's non-manageable to have enough tabs open on your on your, uh, on your browser or whatever, um, then you need a bot um, if you want to be able to operate efficiently. But And, and you just got to shop around. We don't sell our bot or lease our bot to anybody. We're not in that business. Um, maybe one day we might get into that business, to be honest, but I don't know. Uh, it's enough running spank on, so. But that's how bots work, bro. Um, okay. Um, and we have the last one. Rosie, 18 plus. Contains nudity. Alright, here we go. Would you smash? Uh, yeah, you know, listen, Rosie, you're a beautiful girl. I don't know if there's a robot I'm talking to or not. At Lude, Rosie, I-O-X, you're a beautiful girl, a little young, you know what I mean? I'm an older guy now. Would I smash in my heyday? Absolutely. Um, if I was so drunk that I didn't know what was happening, probably. But, um, I don't know, you got some shit tied on your tits or whatever, I, you know, that's some crazy shit, I'm not into that. So I'd probably take a pass. Don't get offended, though. Keep doing what you do, and best of luck to you. All right, this is it. Um, thank you so much, everybody. We reached the end of the questions. I hope I didn't miss anything. I went down a list. If I did, my sincere apologies. Um, 
and um, I wish everybody a happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. I'll be releasing more episodes. Um, I just taped one that's going to be incredible. I don't want to reveal the guest just yet, but I'll be releasing that in the next week or so. And um, happy Thanksgiving, happy holidays. I hope this helped out people. I hope so. Um, this happens once a year. I ain't running this back. This shit is is not easy to do. I try my best. I hope I was able to share some knowledge, share some experience, and um, and I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you so much for the time. Until next time.